This is the Andres Segovia Show. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Andres Segovia Show. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the program. Today's special guest uh, is brought on because I need to talk about what's been going down with California, the most mismanaged state in the union. Uh, I used to say it was the richest state of the union. Resource rich, yes. Finances, I don't know anymore because of how messed up things have become. And with all the distractions that uh, that go on, it's really hard to keep up, which is why this is the first installment in a series of Safe California uh, episodes that I'm devoting. And today, my first guest up on these installments is someone from the Howard Jervis Tax Association. Susan, by all means, introduce yourself to those who may not have heard of you or the organization. Well, thank you, Andres, and thank you for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. My name is Susan Shelley, and I'm the Vice President of Communications for the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. If you're not familiar with Howard Jarvis, this is the organization that's responsible for passing Prop 13 in 1978 and protecting homeowners from crazy tax increases due to inflation ever since. And uh, we're very proud to be fighting in the courts, fighting in the legislature, fighting for taxpayers everywhere in California. It's a great organization and it's a member organization. So if you're not a member, you can join and we'll tell you how a little later. Awesome. Thank you. And that is an applause, by the way, because Prop 13, yeah, a very, very important. Um, and when I think it was uh, for, yeah, it was 2020. There were, there were three propositions that came up in California. All three of them affected in some way, matter or form, uh, property taxes and property rights. The one that was overlooked was Prop 19. I think what upset me the most, and I addressed it on my program then, and I'll reiterate it now, because as well as a, uh, a former member of the Realtor Association, I, I must say I was very disillusioned with them when I saw that they're handing out all these pamphlets uh, to, to tell us, hey, go talk about the benefits of um, Proposition 19. It's like, you guys were behind this, and you guys even used a former Howard Jervis member to try to sound like it was Howard Jervis actually behind this thing when your organization was actually actively fighting against Prop 19. But uh, there, all the uh, the capital that was devoted to fight against all the information, misinformation, disinformation on these proposition campaigns that tends to go to uh, were devoted to the other propositions that seem to be a bigger threat. And when I covered it on my program, I didn't think Prop 19 was we're going to be as contentious. So when it was the number one uh, checked in episode on my program, I kept adding more to it because people had questions looking into it. And I'm like, hey, it's like maybe even I was questioning myself for like, am I going to vote on this the right way? In the end, yes, I voted in the right way. No on Prop 19. But Prop 19 is now in. And a lot of the stuff that was meant to um, – be inter intergenerational wealth, as I explained it, which is what my association supposedly uh, in real estate wants to be able to secure for future families and this and that, including what they say is a minority-owned homeownership that they're trying to encourage. My complaint to them, and I, I did confront this to them directly in private meetings, I said, so why do you want to eliminate it? Because that's what that did. And now we have what I believe your organization coined it, the death tax, which is different from the other death tax that we call the estate tax. Right. Uh, so with that, there was, there was uh, this is kind of how you and I got acquainted uh, on that meeting. Uh, there was an effort to try to put an initiative 
on the prime. I think it was for the primary. Or was it for for the general election? It would have been for November of, of this year. Okay, and that was with the with the intent to repeal Proposition 19, correct? To repeal the death tax portion of it, not the whole thing, but just that portion that created a death tax. Great. So for uh, viewers and listeners that uh, may not be aware, and I, I'll toss this over to you since you've been a little uh, way more involved in this than, than I have. Uh, what is Proposition 19 as it stands today? Okay. Proposition 19 was put forward, as you said, by the California Association of Realtors. First, at first, it was an initiative, but ultimately, it went into the legislature and came out with a few changes. And what went on the ballot was a legislatively referred constitutional amendment based on what the realtors had done. And the realtors spent about $50 million on advertising, trying to convince people to vote for it. It just barely passed. We spent mm -hmm. a very small amount of money over at Howard Jarvis trying to defeat it because we were working, as you said, on other, other initiatives, which were also a threat to Prop 13. What this did is create a tax on people passing property to their children. Now, not an estate tax in the pure sense of being an inheritance tax, but the effect was the same because a long-held property, whether it's a home or a business property or a rental home or any kind of property that people have acquired through their lives, it had a tax assessment under Proposition 13, which could only go up 2% a year while it was under the same ownership. And when property was transferred to the children through inheritance or any other way, through a gift or any kind of a transfer from parent to child, initially, after 1978, that was being reassessed as if it had just the same as a sale, just as if it was a new owner coming in and buying it, mm -hmm. with the exception that people who were inheriting property were not buying it. They didn't necessarily have the money to pay the higher taxes. Because of inflation, when property is reassessed to market value, the new tax bill is substantially higher than it was even just a few years ago because inflation is driving those prices on real estate to go up so fast. So in 1986, the legislature passed unanimously and the voters passed by 75% a fix to that problem that said when property is transferred from parent to child, it is not reassessed to market value. It doesn't count as a change of ownership under Prop 13. That was 1986. Nobody really talked about it very much, but Proposition 19 included in it the repeal of that protection yeah. that had been in since 1986. And that's why it's a death tax, because now when property is passed from parent to child, it is reassessed to current market value. Mm -hmm. And if somebody has owned a house for 10 years or longer, the current market value is much, much higher. And there was only one exception that was put into the law for people who had a home like this. And that was if the children moved into it within one year and made it their own permanent primary residence, then they could keep the old tax bill, but otherwise reassess to market value. And even if you moved in, if you later moved out, when you moved out, reassess to market value as of the date that you inherited it, plus the inflation adjustments every year for a much higher tax bill. And commercial property, someone who owns a small little fourplex, an apartment building, reassessed to market value upon transfer to the children, no exceptions. Well, what happens to the tenants? And then what do you do if you own a building that's under rent control and you've just inherited it? Mm -hmm. And now you have a property tax bill that's based on the current market value, which is wildly unaffordable 
do you sell the building? Well, if you sell the building, what happens to the tenants? I think we know what happens to the tenants. They're out. Mm -hmm. So this is really very destructive. And when Prop 19 went on the ballot, people were talking about the other part of Prop 19 in the commercials, which was people who were wildfire victims or seniors could transfer their old tax bill to a new property, which yeah. is fine. That portability part is a very nice tax break for people who want to move because of those circumstances or have to move. And that was fine. But added to it was this death tax. So the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association is very committed to trying to reverse this. We did try, uh, as you mentioned, to get it on the ballot this year. It, you know, there's a tremendous learning curve in explaining what this was. Yeah. And a lot of people had not heard of it. Uh, even, when, even when they voted on Prop 19, they didn't know this was in it, and they're just finding out. So as we went through that process of gathering signatures, the pace was picking up tremendously. And more and more people were volunteering, more and more people were donating, more and more people were signing, but we ran out of calendar because the state law only mm -hmm. gives you a limited amount of time to collect signatures, and we just ran out of time. But we haven't given up. We're looking at all the options. Yeah, and it was it was just uh, that very thing I had mentioned before we uh, we started filming this is uh, I covered every proposition that affected uh, property um, because well as a I'm a broker associate um, in Orange County so I cover these things on my program and some people uh, would take it as like oh Andres is talking about politics uh, not talking about policies that will affect your property rights your taxes and I have long stated on my program since I, I began I, I started really as a real estate 101 podcast that's that also talked about tech and how it made uh, you be able to work smarter not harder but along the way I had to address things that were affecting my ability to convince people that hey uh, owning a home is the right thing to do because in, in California California makes it really hard to be a homeowner they don't like you being the property owner because they think that you have an endless well of resources for why they either constantly tax you or they try to take away your property or in the case of uh, property owners that have uh, units uh, case in point los angeles uh, san francisco um burbank glendale other places that have uh, real estate stabilization ordinances they don't want you to have your property they think it's wrong of you to rent it out to people so it's i had to call these things out and that's where uh, I got hit by by big tech with certain things because people considered some of that political just to bring up these policies. So the extension of the reach to get the information out there was hard because it wasn't being fed into what's called the algorithm where the, the big tech sends the information to the people it should reach. Instead, it's like, we'll just keep it here or throw it that way where it's irrelevant to these people and the ones that need to see it won't. But there were enough people that were figuring things out, as you mentioned. Uh, even during the, uh, leading up to to, um, to November 2020, where they're like, what is this Proposition 19? So then I had to do a follow-up. I did three episodes devoted just for Proposition 19, two prior uh, to uh, November 2022, I mean, so 2020, and then one afterwards, because I, okay, what now? Um, even uh, the the Apartment uh, Owners Association of, of, of America had to do an entire presentation on just what this was. And I think what shocked a lot of people was that technically, while it didn't go into effect, I believe was a um, might have been April 15th or some or sometime late March, it was going to be uh, somehow uh, backdated to February 15th that if you were going to make a move on your, say, living trust, 
that you had to pass on, as our attorneys told us, pass on all your properties to your kids right now so they don't get dinged by the tax. Well, by doing so, you just effectively destroy the credit of the of of your your kids and that's not beneficial to them either if in the case of my siblings at the time wanting to become homeowners would not be able to achieve that so it's like what do we do now and as you mentioned we ran out of calendar couldn't do anything else and the living trust in the end was like what was the point then if it didn't protect against something like this if it was meant to be something to be passed on to our kids so then more questions came on and more seminars were also being done by the aoa usa you know it's it's sad that that happened. And yes, there was a lot of push on the portability, the tax side or the wildfire victims, which is almost nothing was actually devoted to that. But that was like the main selling point. The portability part, if I'm not mistaken, already existed, though, with participating counties. It's just that now it's statewide three times. Uh, they can move it to three times, but if they never moved in 50, 60 years. Why would they move three more times in their sunset years? It's. It didn't make any sense, but there was one more proposition. It wasn't just Proposition 13, um, but I believe it was Proposition 187, the one that allowed, of course, Proposition 13 allows for the transfer from parent to child. But then mm-hmm. there was one in the 90s, I think it's 94, 95, where it was uh, the grandparent to a right, the grandparents and grandchildren. I think 193 was the number, but I'm Some, somewhere doing that from memory. Uh, yeah. the, the, that was, Prop 58 was the one in 1986 that said, parents could transfer the property to their children. It was a home of any value and up to a million dollars of assessed value of other property in addition to the home. So that was the the rental property, the four unit apartment building, a small business, up to a million dollars of assessed value of other property was excluded from reassessment when transferred. 10 years later, they added uh, a provision for grandparents to pass property to grandchildren if the children's parents were deceased. So the grandchildren would stand in for the parents in that case, and they could pass property to the children under the same rules, a home of any value, plus up to a million dollars of assessed value of other property to the grandchildren without reassessment. And these are very important protections because it allows families to increase their intergenerational wealth, because Mm -hmm. that's the big investment that most families make. A home is a big investment and you pay for it for 30 years, sometimes more. Mm -hmm. And you you pay the insurance and you pay the taxes, you pay the maintenance and the upkeep and all of that every year. And you want to pass that to your children. And the same with income properties. It's very difficult to make it in California. The cost of living is very high and very often a job isn't enough. So parents want to pass to their children a rental house for additional income or maybe for another family member to live in. And they want to pass that to their kids and have the kids hang on to it and pass it to their kids. And if you reassess to market value, when we're living through inflation like none of us have seen in 40 years or more, Mm -hmm. if you do that and you reassess to current market value, then the tax bill is unaffordable. Nobody has the income to pay that. Don't forget, every year. Property taxes are not one time like an estate tax. It's not like an income tax, you pay it on the way in, or a sales tax, you pay it on the way out. Property tax is every year as a condition of keeping what you already own. Yeah. And that's just very, very different. So, So to raise property taxes is almost abusive to California families that are trying to build for the future and provide for their kids. 
Yeah, and the the campaign, which is uh, I mentioned, it was the flyer. This is uh, one of the 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 flyers and the pamphlets to collect the the signatures that unfortunately came up short, which was called repeal the death tax. As you mentioned, it was uh, to remove the 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 death tax portion of it, not the portability or the right. the wildfire things that Proposition Nineteen added in, uh, which is yeah, no one's arguing. All right, let it stay. But with respects to what it the cost is not worth those benefits. Right. My opinion, especially uh, as someone that has little children, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't think I have property for you guys to inherit any more little ones. It just, it, it that's yeah. how it feels. It's it's really rough because how do you how do you provide for the income for those kids to make those tax payments? It it's very very hard. So what's likely is the kids sell the property. Okay, yes. so they have the cash. Well, great, you put the cash in the bank. The cash is depreciating and losing value to inflation. And even though interest rates are going up, they're not that high on your savings just yet. So the cash is losing value. The house that they had to sell or the business property that they had to sell is appreciating in value, but somebody else owns it. Mm -hmm. And your kids are out of luck. And why did we do this? Well, the answer is a lot of people didn't even know they were voting for it. Exactly. They didn't know it was in there. And as they're finding out, they're pretty upset. And the assessors are not happy either because they're having to send out letters to people telling them when someone passes away, your property is going to be reassessed if you don't move, if it's a home, if you don't move into it and make it your permanent primary residence within one year of the death of your parent, Mm -hmm. it's going to be reassessed. What do you want to do? And they're like, what, what, what happened? What is this? Ideal. I deal primarily, I would say 80% or 90% of what I do for a living is dealing with probate and trust properties. So when I go to uh, some of these uh, inspections, I some of the things that I've seen, uh, it's just like, how do people live in here? I keep thinking about uh, the, this this moment on The Simpsons back when it was good. Um, I, I don't remember what uh, what uh, chemical spill or something that happened in the, the town of Springfield, but there's Most Tavern, the bar. For those familiar with The Simpsons, it's Most Tavern, and Barney, who's always the, um, the the town drunk, is at the at the booth, and these guys with hazmat suits going they're like men alive or. There are men alive in here. That's what always stands out at me. Every time I go to some of these properties, I'm like, how could anyone live like this? It's some places I couldn't even find the floor. I was on two, um, I was about two feet above. Uh, 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 that's how much clutter was in these homes. So some of these individuals have been moved in forever. And their children, almost all of them are out of state. They have their own families and things like that. So for Proposition 19, I say that, oh, yeah, just move in within a year and everything will be okay. Some of these houses are not in movable condition. There's and the paperwork has to be settled, and you're talking about this place in the family that's most likely out of state and is already uh, uh, rooted there. Schools, work, and all that that doesn't make any sense. So right. they, like most cases and the cases that I do, they sell, and it's uh, it, it is a, a sad thing to see um, uh, this go on and low information. I don't know uh, entirely. Uh, who would to be to blame for the low information voting? Is it the people don't do enough legwork? Back in the days, to say, hey, people do your own research. Nowadays, with the way algorithms work and and uh, and some of these tech sites will just show you what they want you to see that benefits uh, a political ideology more than another. I just feel like, well, how do they do research now then? And I think what ultimately comes down to is um, 
relying on organizations like yours where they are on the ground and doing uh, these things. That's why you're one of the several groups that I'm bringing on my program uh, to discuss that, that uh, address at different levels uh, and aspects uh, of life. In this case, I would say like the uh, taxation and, and fiscal, uh, fiscal matters uh, and others are, are more community-based, uh, um, even ethnically that they're targeting some of my groups uh, because they're like, they're primarily like we gotta inform the Hispanic voters and things like that. So I, that's why I'm like I, whatever the 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 result might be or cause of low information voting, there, there's enough groups out there that are doing their work. So I still think that people gotta do the legwork. Don't rely on just the pamphlets that come through the mail. Um, a lot of it's propaganda anyway. Vote for me, not for the other guy for X Y Z reasons. Um, but it's in doing that legwork, though, uh, even trying to make sense of some of these groups, like, well, how do we know they're on our side? And I think it, it comes down to is like, well, is what they're saying beneficial to you or beneficial to them? Um, that's one way. And second, does it make sense? And uh, I think when it comes to taxation, when people start owning more of their own things, they start realizing like, hey, wait, that actually does affect me. Because most people, especially if uh, when we have a primarily renter's uh, residency here in California, I think, oh, it doesn't affect me. It affects the, the property owner. Yeah, but when the minimum wage goes up at a restaurant, who's left paying the higher menu bill? You are. <laughs> so That's exactly right. People don't realize that when businesses are taxed, it raises prices. Because where's the money going to come from to pay the taxes? It comes from the prices. And in the case of apartments, if they're under rent control, and the rent can't go up, then it's very likely that the building will be sold and turned into some kind of other use, whether it's condos or it's turned into a commercial building or whatever, very likely that the tenants will be evicted if the building has to be sold. So in the case of Prop 19, all these older apartment buildings that are owned by mom and pop landlords, and it's something like 40% of all the apartment units in California that fall wow. into that category, all those buildings that are older and have Prop 13 protected assessments that don't go up more than 2% a year, they would all be at risk when they were inherited. All those mom and pops, when that generation passes and the kids inherit the building, every one of those buildings will be reassessed to current market value. Yes, in crazy. Orange County, in Los Angeles, in Venice, Santa Monica, San Francisco, San Jose, what's going to happen? Well, the tax bill is going to be 1% of the new current market value and that is the new overhead that the new owners have to pay. If those rents can't go up to cover it, the building is going to be losing money. The owners can't afford to lose money. They will sell and everybody could be evicted. Do you know Prop 19 could wipe out half the affordable housing in California in one generation? That's Whose insane. idea was this? <laughs> That's there's an expression that says the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Uh, and quite literally, that's, that feels like California. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of well-meaning policies that just don't turn out that way, such as addressing the homelessness things. That's and right, and things. flames rising from <laughs> sidewalks. <laughs> yes, yes, it's it's it literally. It's not um, global warming. It's the road to <laughs> it's the road to hell being paved. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> economic hell. That's why uh, every time I think of, was it Plato, or Socrates talking about uh, Atlantis that fell into the oceans. Like, no, everybody's concerned about the San Andreas Fault and. California. I'm more concerned about the fault line from Sacramento because it's really throws this economic hell and more people need to be aware of such things. Now they'll hear us talking about this and say, well, the trying to get 
the uh, some kind of form of uh, proposition to repeal certain aspects of Prop 19, um, uh, those efforts came up short. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean the fight ends there. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, the, what the, what the, else is in the pipeline, perhaps, with that respect? Well, we could certainly do it again. And, and we're looking at how we would do it again and exactly, mm. you know, what it would cost and how we would do it and, and uh, making possible changes that make the petition shorter so that it can be downloaded and printed at home. Mm. Because uh, we had to, we did things in a way that caused the petition to be about six legal sized pages. You had wow. to include all of this constitutional text in the petition to show the voters. And there are different ways that we could, we could write it. And the lawyers are looking at that to see if we can make it faster and easier to get that petition out to people because it can be downloaded because this mm. this version couldn't be. Uh, so yeah. that's one option. There's also the possibility that the legislature could make fixes to Prop 19 and put it on the ballot. They can uh, propose a constitutional amendment with a two-thirds vote in each house of the legislature and put it on the November ballot. And there's still time for them to do that this year. We haven't seen that they want to do that. They like higher taxes. And that's the problem. Yeah, they, they like taxing us, people out of their property. Yeah, they, they didn't want to give us a tax holiday on the gas t- tax hike to right. happen in July 1st. Instead, exactly. They and they've been Kevin, promising it for like three months and nothing. <laughs> uh, Kevin right. Kiley was the one saying, hey, let, let's uh, I propose a bill to let's do a tax holiday. Like, no, instead, let's just raise it. It's like, wait, that's the opposite of what I was proposing. Exactly. It, yes. And I, <laughs> they, and I, they hijacked his bill and they turned his tax cut into a tax yeah increase that is all on film for people to see themselves it was amazing to behold like whoa this went the other direction so fast it's horrifying it's just it's just horrifying they love tax increases they think everything's just going so well that people can afford to pay higher sales taxes higher income taxes higher gas taxes inflation raises your taxes because Mm -hmm. it raises the price that you pay for everything. So if it raises the price of the house you're buying, your property taxes are higher. If it raises the price of lunch in a restaurant, your sales tax is higher. If you get pushed into a higher tax bracket, your income taxes are higher, all at the same time that your buying power is declining. But the government is making out like a bandit because they're getting more revenue from you while you're suffering. Correct. And they're and happy with that. This is just what happened in the 1970s before mm-hmm. Prop 13. And this is why Prop 13 was passed by a two-thirds vote of the electorate. Because even with all the scare tactics that were thrown out there, and there were a lot of scare tactics, oh, the whole world is going to come to an end if this passes, voters said, we can't pay this. And you yeah. have a surplus in Sacramento because we can't pay this. And you're just collecting all our money. And they went to the polls and they said, whatever, we're passing this and we'll just it'll have to be better than what we have now. And of course, it was better than what they had then. Yeah, absolutely. And I I just think about like how in the case of Los Angeles, there's the incorporated areas of Los Angeles and the unincorporated areas of Los Angeles. Depending on where you are, you cannot as a property owner yet still raise the rent on those properties. Even two years later, Eric Garcetti said um when he declares the emergency over plus one year meanwhile the los angeles uh, uh board of supervisors is constantly extending that uh, even more ever since they adopted rsls uh some time ago today. that's right so this is the pandemic intervention supposedly to help renters but at a certain point you've got a situation where not only not only can property owners not raise the rent, but they're having trouble collecting the rent because of eviction moratoriums of various kinds. So this is very difficult. 
how do you pay your bills if you're if you're someone who bought a small apartment building for income in your retirement years and you can't collect the rent and you can't raise the rent even even what's allowed under rent control mm. you can't raise the rent at all because of the so-called emergency which is now two and a half years into it uh, for covid how how is that fair how is that going to work out for everybody it's just going to keep people from going into the business of rental housing which exacerbates the housing shortage because now you have fewer people who want to be owners of rental property well how is how does this how does this end is there going to be just giant tenements of government owned housing and everyone will have to live in that is that well, how that's, that's going to be that is their that is their aim um because one of the aspects that uh is overlooked by the rent stabilization ordinances is the part where the government can take over your property for xyz reasons right. and that is what they want, which is why I said, look, our rights begin with our property rights. And California keeps chipping away one way or another uh, coming at this. And it, from a local level, it's, it's it's scary to see. But it's also because uh, there's this mindset and, and uh, from a, a familial standpoint, um, I've seen this happen uh, to, to myself, to my family and, and other kind of family that when they hear, oh, so-and-so bought a house, they're like, oh, I'm going to go ask him for a loan. It's like, what? It's like, oh, he bought a house. He has to have money. It's like, they got a loan to buy the property. They didn't yeah. buy it in cash. I mean, you'd be kind of silly to do that unless you have that, if, unless it's pocket change to you, then it wouldn't matter. But that's, that's I think that's the that prevailing uh, ideology, even from those sacraments. And they know it's not, but they behave in that way. It's like, well, you own property, therefore you can afford it. But what do you mean? Because I own property. You mean in name and theory I do, but I got all this mountain of debt that I got to pay off with the in intended return on investment that I'm making here that you are affecting the RORs here on. Yes. So it's, uh, it, it, it is crazy that, um, that it's, it's mindset problem, information problem, education problem, whatever it might be that people ultimately need to do more um, of that legwork. But when they hear news of, like, we just uh, uh, did a little update on this before we started rolling. Well, at first it was reported that 16% of the electorate turned out for the primaries. And I told you I was going to announce it for the first time here on my program. I did not participate in the primaries uh, this time. And it's been, it's part of the first primary I haven't participated in since I started to vote. Uh, I'm in Anaheim. And I a lot of shenanigans are going on over here, uh, primarily because of what's surrounding the the the, the Anaheim uh, Stadium deal or the Angel Stadium. And at first, it was like, well, it's always one side trying to go after that because it looked like it was a left versus right issue kind of thing. And the FBI got involved, and I have my opinions about the FBI, so I'm like, I can't take him all that seriously. Until the mayor, Mayor Harry Sidhu, then he just suddenly resigned. I'm like. Something is afoot. As of this recording, he has no charges or allegations were brought up against him. But the the image just doesn't look good for the for Orange County's biggest city. That threw into so much doubt a lot of the votes that I wanted to do for the primary. And with almost no time left to do any research, and even outlets that I reached out to were not responding. Like you know what, I'm sitting it out. I I just can't because I don't know who these people are. And I'm not one of those that's just going to vote along party lines. I do my my education. And I wish that more people that didn't know what they were going to vote for would sit it out like I did. Instead of just going, I'll just pull a lever and see what happens. You probably just cancel someone else's vote that it mattered to them. 
you know, like you said, some people voted and they didn't know what they were voting on. That's why, I mean, to me, I sat it out. But 16% of a turnout, that's still like historically low, but there's an update to that. Uh, you, you had some, some sources yes. to that that we did a there, quick research. This, according to the Secretary of State's office, as of right now, it's at 31%. And that's what the Mellon Turnout ballot. statewide, statewide. And that is, that's not great. Uh, it's lower than most gubernatorial primary years. In 2018, the final turnout was 37.5%. We're 31. Mm -hmm. uh, and what's significant there is that so many changes were made to the election laws to try to increase turnout. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything from ballot drop boxes to mailing a ballot to every voter, no postage required to send it back. Uh, multiple counties under the, the uh, Voter's Choice Act, which are, have vote centers that are more convenient than your local polling place, supposedly. You can go anywhere in the county and vote at any of the vote centers. You can register to vote the same day, all of that. Mm -hmm. And yet, with all of those changes, we're at 31% compared to last primary of, of four years ago, which was 37 and a half. Mm -hmm. And the one before that in 2014, the final turnout was 25%. And then the, the two primary elections before that were 33%. So we're at 31. So all the changes we made did not help the turnout. Yeah. Uh, unless it's because they're still technically counting this mm -hmm. far removed from the primary. Um, that has a lot to do with, I think it was, uh, was it this year that universal mail-in voting became like the standard, like it's from right. here on out, it's a thing. You don't have to ask for it. Okay. That's right. I, I just think it's making people lazier. It's like, ah, no, I, I, it can wait. It can wait. Uh, I, I'm one of those that say, look, it's easy. Just one election day, vote in person, voter ID. That's you address anyone having any concerns about our elections. You you address uh, like, well, uh, did they vote? They were there. They showed their ID and they voted in person. I think that's that's the best thing I, I can do. I heard you on one of your recent episodes. Your experience, I think it was a Guru Hills where uh, you went to the to the to the voting center. You were dropping off a ballot. Uh, yes, I <laughs> filled I it out in the car. I filled it out in the car because I'll tell you why. Because I wanted to know how the ballot tracks system was mm -hmm. working. You know, you can sign up at the Secretary of State's office to have them tell you when your ballot is received and counted. And I thought, well, if I vote on the machine, I don't get that notification. So I took my mail ballot. I was in the parking lot outside the vote center and I filled out my mail ballot and I sealed it up and I signed it and I walked it in. And there was nobody there except for six people who were working the polls. There oh, were man. no voters. And one of the poll workers jumped up and said, a voter. He was so excited. And he helped me walk to the black to the black plastic box where I could drop it off. He said, "Here, let me just check and see if it's okay." And then he took it from me and he looked at it. He said, "It's perfect." And then he helped me push it into the slot. Six poll workers to help me drop off my mail ballot. You know, that's a lot of money that the County of Los Angeles is spending for these vote centers, and I really am not sure that this is this is necessary or advisable. It, and it's it's like what they set them up like days before election day and uh, I 11 think they, days they they open 11 some of them open three days before and some of them open 11 days yeah. before i and maybe in orange county I, in my case it was three days before so i did i did vote i think two days earlier um one election i did it uh where i i, I did do a drop off because i was curious and I think I did mail that one and not do a drop off in person. This last time I dropped one off in person. I think my, my uh, yeah, both my wife and I went over and dropped off in person, walked into the center downtown Anaheim. Nobody's in there except 
the ones that are working, <laughs> right. a lot of booths set up. I'm like, I wonder how much they're getting paid. <laughs> it's, that's and like they, and they are getting paid. They're not volunteers. They are getting paid as they should. And and mm. all of but the, but you have to as a taxpayer, you have to pay for finding and setting up these locations. Uh, and and you have to pay people to be there. And we're also paying to mail the ballots out and we're paying to mail the ballots back. And the processing time for mail ballots is much higher than for precinct ballots. Because, mm. you know, the system used to be that everybody was verified when they came in or when they requested an absentee ballot. That was a mm. verification stage of the process. Well, yeah. now if you mail in the ballot, the verification is in the county offices when they receive it. And it takes longer. It takes longer to, they, they run them through a scanner, they check them with software to see if the signature matches the one on record. Uh, I don't know how accurate that is, but yeah. let's assume it's 100% accurate. It still takes time to yeah. do that. And then every ballot has to, it, it has to be fed through a counting machine there. And, and it's just more processing. And then all of the provisional ballots and the conditional ballots where people have to register same day and then it's, it's not automatically counted. It has to be verified in some way. Uh, that takes longer. All of this takes longer. In a county of Los, like Los Angeles, there are 5.6 million registered voters. That's a lot of paper. Yeah. And yeah. many of those people who are on the rolls are not living here any longer or are not living any longer. And, yeah. and they're still on the rolls. So there's a lot of ballots out there that shouldn't be voted or can't be voted. Yeah. And it, it does sound like um, voting has gotten so much more expensive and is not paying off. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, if, if it's not working, why try to make that the only way? It's right. like going back to just like, well, let's make it one day. Uh, I, for some reason, um, I, I'll use this as a, as, a, as an as a metaphor analogy. Um, my father-in-law, my my in-laws are Taiwanese. My wife's Taiwanese, so the, but they're uh, they are in Taiwan. So this one time they came to visit. We went to um, a plaza that had multiple restaurants because we were going to eat. And I wanted, I was going to go uh, to this Mediterranean restaurant. And I, I asked my father, and I prefers to eat cleaner. He's like, uh, and he didn't want to eat beef. I'm like, well, they have chicken over here. We'd like to come over here. He said no to that restaurant because it didn't have a queue waiting outside. The other ones did. So like, these have to be better because there's a queue there. So I'm like, I noticed that when people had to wait in line to vote, it, they complain about oh, those wait lines, but they want to go vote. But now it's like, well, you just mail it in. You have 11 days to do it or even longer or whatever. And they still don't do it. <laughs> it's like, it, yeah. is it maybe that psychological thing is like, well, it can't wait. It's That's what I, I keep thinking. It, it could be it could be partly that. They mail the ballots out a month ahead uh, and people, people look at it and say, oh, is there an election? And then it's weeks later, you're going to get your sample ballot booklet or your, your city measures or your state voter guide. These all come at different times, yeah. usually after the ballots. This year, I got my state booklet first, then the ballot, then the county, then the city. And they all came just weeks apart. So there is this, this period of time where you think, well, I, I haven't looked at the candidates yet and, and I haven't seen the campaign and there's going to be more mail that's sent and more commercials and the editorials, the editorial endorsements aren't out uh, by May 9th this year. And yeah. there's just a lot. And, and people put it aside, I think, and then they forget about it. So, yeah, I think you're, I, you might be right that it's I, that it's not helpful. And I also believe that it has a lot to do with um, it's I'm not, I 
I've been told never ask someone for their age, so I'm not going to ask you. But I'm assuming that <laughs> that uh, especially based on the, the the Zoom call that I was a part of, um, the way I heard everyone speak, that's not the way at least my generation um, votes. Because to them, if it's not in front of their eyes on social media, it's not happening. The amount of traction that a lot of these candidates were getting on social media was just like off the charts. And then the disappointing results with the primaries, like, dude, almost none of you guys went to go vote. What's going on here? And then we see the, the demographics of who did go vote. I think it was the, the primarily were over 65 or 55 years and older. Wait, but they're not the ones that are actively engaging on social media, giving the likes, putting a comment, sharing it or whatever to people that are not even in the state that has no effect on our elections. But the point is that that uh, this metaverse it doesn't translate to the real world. That's and been my experience. That's I, I agree with you. I, that's what I've seen since I've been following politics or working in it very closely. It, the people who are online don't vote. The people who are voting are not online. I mean, to, to generalize it. Uh, yes. yes, I agree with you. And, and, and I do know that uh, through social media, there'll always be more, more discouragement or encouragement uh, for one way or another. I know for a lot of people, this was even before anyone might have questions about what's transpired in recent elections, uh, even the recall election. But even even before that, people would say, why am I going to vote? What's, what's the point of it? They already bought the election. People were saying this like 20 years ago because it's like that's just the a, a mindset that people had. And, and I did, too, until I finally was able to cast my, my first vote. It's like, no, I want to go vote. And then I realized when I started seeing the counting and the way things were like, no, I I, I think votes do count. Look, there's a there's a chance here. And in the case of uh, of of Compton. Uh, this was in the news recently. Uh, a judge overturned that election. It was decided by four votes. It just so happens the judge ruled that those votes were were illegal or shouldn't have been counted. And it's like, nope, give the give the results to the uh, to the runner up. You know, it's four votes. Mm-hmm. It's so imagine thousands of people say, yeah, my vote doesn't count, but right. your vote could be that difference, and they don't go. And then the results come in. Like, See, that's why I didn't go vote. No. That it's because you didn't go vote. So it's like, well, that's true. I mean, if you look at 31%, 31% voter turnout, that's a lot of people who are registered to vote and did not vote. And that's not even counting all the people who are not registered to vote, who could be registered if they wanted to. So if you really want to make a difference in politics, the best thing you can do is go out and register new voters. That gets everybody's attention and turn out voters that you know. If, if you want to be organized, if you want to make a difference, pick out a small election where you can really see the impact, whether it's a tax measure that's on the ballot or it's a school board seat or it's a county supervisor. Pick out a relatively, not a statewide election, pick out an election in your area and make a concerted effort to get people to turn out to vote on one side or the other, pick the side that, that needs to win to make things better and turn out voters for that in significant numbers because that's where it can change. It, you, don't, you don't need new political parties. You don't need to overthrow the whole system with ranked choice voting or some other big reform like that. You just need to get people to register and vote in their elections. The mayor's race in Los Angeles, I don't think they've got 400,000 votes counted yet in that. And there's 4 million people who live in the city of Los Angeles. And that's 10% of the population that's deciding the mayor's race. So there's a lot of people out there 
who should be involved in something that's important to the future of their lives. Yeah. And they don't think it is, or they don't think it matters, or they don't think it can make a difference, but it will make a difference. If you get organized and you get people voting, it will scare the politicians. Then you can call them up and you can say, we're registering X number of voters. We're turning out X number of voters. We're harvesting the ballots from X number of voters. And you're toast if you don't return my phone call by five o'clock. Your phone will ring at 455 and they will call you back because turning out the vote makes a difference in politics. There's an awful lot of people who benefit from the status quo. They don't want you to vote. They don't want you to get involved. They don't want you to run for office. They don't want you anywhere near the process because they benefit. Right. They benefit from having it just the way it is, but you don't. So you have to get involved. I know. Okay. So why are we allowing such a small percentage to dictate all of our way of life? Because last I checked, I I don't trust the person standing in front of me at a restaurant to order something for me. It's like, no, 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 I can order for myself because I know what I want. You don't. You don't know Mm -hmm. what my preferences are. Maybe I don't want the burger with all these condiments on it. Maybe I I feel like eating a plane today. But that's that's literally what what's going on with with the whole voting thing, which is that's what switched it for me. It's like, wait, if I can't rely on somebody to go know when I'm hungry and then go order me something the way I like it, why am I allowing it with my uh every way of life, particularly with uh, fiscal taxes and social issues. Uh, it, it is crazy. And it requires that, that mindset shift. And, and this is primarily one of the reasons why uh, um, when we were on the means, like I, I just to be, be able to talk to you with something like this would be a great honor because it's a Howard Jarvis itself uh, among my social circles. Uh, they're like, you're going to have who on your show? It's like, uh, it's a name recognition of those that we know. It's like a lot of us in the business world. I'm a first generation American. Uh, my father, as soon as he heard Howard Jervis, yeah, that's a, that is a that's someone that we stand behind. You know, it's, a, it's someone that's, that's that's really helped us benefit to be able to get to, to where we are. Talking about my father, who's uh, homelessness in a third world country, he was in El Salvador. Good. 40 years ago, whatever it was, and eventually coming to the United States to be able to make something out of himself, uh, to to end up having um, um, this real estate and to be able to pull his family out of poverty. Um, to me, to be the first generation, then him seeing his his grandchildren and be able to enjoy the grandchildren primarily yesterday when we're filming, this is, yesterday was Father's Day, to see that whole generation that was able to benefit from the blessed and tears of both him and, 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 my, mo- and my mother, you know, it's uh, their their marital bed was a, a um, this mattress that my mom found in an alleyway in East Los Angeles, and she took it home and put it on top of four cinder blocks. When I was born, my crib was the baby plastic tubs, and she put a blanket in there and put me on top. They didn't have enough to put a blanket on top of me. That was uh, my crib. To go from that to what it is today, and and for the family, the world over to to benefit uh from all that hard work and i'm like nope i i know my roots and i study my roots and i pass on to my children they're gonna know this it's important and it all started with opportunity real estate and that's why when people are not aware and i encourage on my program graduate from being a renter to being a property owner and the renters hate their their property owners like all right stick it to them be their competition become a property owner that's all you got to do. And then it's like this, this whole way, the worldview changes when they realize, wait a minute, everything that I thought was benefiting me is actually hurting me. It's like, yes, that has, that has been the echo of those that made that shift. It's like, 
now you're learning boyo no it's like uh, it's it's it, it, people need to to be more aware of these things and everything requires input from themselves you can't do everything yourself or howard jervis tax association there's only so much you can do without those of us uh being involved as well that's why on that zoom meeting i have i i chimed in and said i became a member because I, I believe in, 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 in the organization and what it's uh, it's out it's setting out to do. And more people should do that. Put their money behind organizations with clout. Don't you don't want to meet your heroes per se because you know something some of things can backfire. But uh, if no, <laughs> it doesn't backfire. There really are heroes. There really there, are. There are heroes. Um, it, and you're a hero. You're a hero to your kids for what you're doing. And when you hear people in Sacramento say everyone who owns real estate is rich, you're an example of how you get that way. I'm not saying that you're rich, but from their perspective, you own something and they want to take it from you because you're so, quote, privileged. Well, you worked for it and your parents worked for it and you're entitled to it because it's yours. And that's how it is in a free country. Yeah, and not, and I wouldn't have the opportunity if it wasn't it wasn't here um, earlier this year. I think it was one of the first ones that I did this year. I had um, the Orange County Apartment Association on, and um, it, it they were fighting the rent stabilization ordinance that was going to be passed in Santa Ana. And at the time, uh, we owned property there. We don't own it anymore. It's like, um, well. We escaped Los Angeles from all that RSO to start diversifying our portfolio, and it seemed like the RSO followed us. <laughs> like we picked Santa Ana, and Santa Ana happens to be the one with perhaps the strictest version of it. And and like the uh, the OC, um, the acronym it, it slips me right now, but uh, but they they told me it's like more stories like yours are the ones not being told. And and it they need to be told, which is right. kind of why I, cha- I even changed the style of my program to be more interview format, because some of these things need time to be fleshed out, to be discussed and later clipped out so people can see little clips in here and check out the longer interview. But the point is that it's there are human faces behind these things. Right. And and there's people that are actively working hard to do these things. And every time someone just throws in the towel or just doesn't believe in it, well, that that belittles organizations like yours or the efforts that you're, that you're doing or these influencers that recently got red pilled, as the expression goes, and they went out, started canvassing, started uh, getting people to register this and that. They were so hyped up leading up to the primary and then the reactions thereafter. They weren't the ones on the ballot. They were the ones trying to motivate people to get out to the ballot. And they're like, you guys all said you're going to go. None of you went. You know, it's like it, it, it makes it almost makes these influencers time wasted. But they're looking well, to the next one and to keep going, and they want to, and I, and I encourage them to do so. They're doing the right thing. They might not. They might not have done it in the most effective way. Uh, you know, just sending messages online is usually not enough. You usually have to get people organized and into a place. Mm. You know, you have to get catering. It needs donuts. It needs pizza. <laughs> it's, it sounds silly, but it's true. You need to get people physically out someplace, and the COVID pandemic made that very hard. But yeah. typically, something that's scrolling on your phone is not going to motivate you to take action because it's just one more thing in a world of many distractions on your phone. But when you get people to physically go someplace, you have a party and say, we're all going to fill out ballots. If you have any questions, come on over. That's a good way to do it. And then you can, it's legal to take the ballots from them after they fill them out, seal them, sign them. You can deliver the ballots for them. 
It's called ballot harvesting. harvesting. It's not yeah. it's not necessarily a bad thing. It can be an honest activity, mm-hmm. uh, and and you can encourage people to bring friends, and you can make it fun, and that's really important to do that because all the the messages in the world, all the memes in the world are just electrons flying past you. You need to be human at some point and get people in a room. And that that's more effective, more time consuming, sometimes more expensive, but it's, it's very gratifying to get people meeting each other. Yeah. And, and I, and I definitely agree. Like, yeah, I'm a techie guy, but I still believe in face to face because it's like, I want to know the human face behind the name. Anyone calls a counter, they don't they don't like that it's like oh i can can i can i speak to a human i'm sick of this machine misunderstanding me as i'm trying to go through the prompts so yeah we all want the human face but somehow human interaction in the real world is not something uh, that's it's 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 almost like a a dying art form it's like no i want to meet someone face to face pizza pizza and donuts (laughs) this is how you do it (laughs) pizza donuts big pot of coffee a lot of soft drinks this is this is this is part of you know, it sounds really silly, but it's it's event planning in a lot of ways. To get people out to vote is a sort of event planning. And people think it, they should only do it when they get married. <laughs> you know, there's some big party they're having for someone's anniversary. They think of event planning like that. But no, you have to plan small events and get people out to parks, to protests, to whatever it is. You have to get people out mm-hmm. and talking to each other. It, one of the great things about a signature collection effort is that people were setting up tables. They were out there with clipboards. They were talking to people face to face. And we collected more than 400,000 signatures in just a few months. Mm-hmm. And it was it was very empowering, I think, for a lot of people who'd never done it before to go and talk to people and answer their questions and meet them and hear their stories and get involved rather than just blast an email and, and it goes into the void and then everybody forgets about it. Yeah, and that, and that definitely uh, makes a lot of sense, especially when you might find you're connecting with people that uh, that are like-minded. Because right. uh, if, if we're going to stick to the, oh, my vote doesn't doesn't count, or one super majority party controls the entire state, well, at least 85% of the voters in San Francisco recalled the district attorney. That's the right. next one on the chopping block is Gascon. That is right. not a right-wing effort or anything like the word, like the media was trying to spin on what happened in San Francisco. Like the me, the right wing in San Francisco, like man, <laughs> you guys are stretching it big time. There's not even a right pinky in San Francisco, <laughs> let alone a whole wing. There's, it just doesn't exist. Yes, no, it had uh, to get pretty bad for people to do that, but it got pretty bad. So yeah, yeah some it's people getting pretty so, bad in LA. Uh, I, I was being labeled along with others. Um, uh, 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 misinformation when, when I did a series called uh, News Roundup and one of those covering any real estate news or things that affect real estate in the entire state, I covered San Francisco's poop patrol. And I know no such thing. It's like, yes, there's even a chart as to how much they're picking up on a daily basis. That is, that is true. And people were like, no, it's it's being made up. Even the the, the national news is like, oh, that, that's all made up. Nancy Pelosi, no, that that's made up. It's like you don't even know your own district, lady, because it's right there. <laughs> and I think, yeah, people definitely have had it, and that went the same, or should be the same for Los Angeles. And it's going to be very interesting to see because after this recording, I think they have about two more weeks left um, to just have enough signatures padded because they, I think, they qualify, but they just want to have enough in case some of the signatures are, are can't be verified or valid or things like that. Right. So it's going to be very interesting to see because that was not a right-wing effort either as to trying to make it out to be. So in other words, yes, you can just get out there and do it. But that's just half of the story because the next part is 
once it qualifies, you still got to go vote to get him recalled. That's right. The signatures just get it on the ballot, and then you have to go and vote. Exactly. Yeah, because that's what happened with the, with the recall of effort of Gavin Newsom, where mm -hmm. where it's like, well, I already signed. No, no, no. You signed to get the election. Now you got to go vote to get him out. And those same people didn't turn out. A lot of and, people did not turn out. Yeah, and you yeah. know, some of that, in defense of the people who who are confused. I have to say that there's a lot of money put into making you confused. Mm, there's yes. a lot of effort that goes into misleading ballot titles and not in the, not in the case of the recall, but in case of the ballot measures, misleading ballot titles, misleading advertising, misleading mailers, misleading descriptions in, uh, in the booklet that you get, misleading ballot summaries. There's a lot of stuff that goes on that's engineered to confuse you. And it does a fine job in the most cases of confusing everybody. You can look at some of these ballot measures and if you have a law school degree, it's hard to understand what they're saying. And that's intentional. Yeah. That's intentional. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why places that digest this information to uh, at least make it uh, into small bites for for those that don't have the time to digest all this or even understand it, uh, organizations like yours make it right. possible to better understand these things. And I think that's a great note uh, to end on because I encourage people to, uh, to check out uh, information provided by your organization. By all means, please let my audience know uh, where they can learn more about you and anything else that, uh, that, that you feel um, people should be um, aware of. Uh, leading Absolutely. Thank you for that. Uh, you can go to HJTA. Org. That's Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, HJTA.org. And you can click join us and be a member. It's only $15 a year and we'll work for you anyway, even if you're not a member. But if you're a member, you're strengthening the organization and you're mm. making us more powerful in Sacramento, in the media, in the courts, everywhere. So HJTA.org. You can also sign up for the free email alerts. You can listen to the podcast. That's all free. And you can just be aware that this is a place you can go to get information before the election about candidates, about ballot measures. You can get recommendations for taxpayers. If you join, you'll get our newsletter, which comes out three times a year. It's a little newspaper full of information and articles about issues that are important to you if you live in California, whether mm -hmm. you're a property owner or not, because there are a lot of other taxes that affect everyone who lives here, like the sales tax and utility taxes and all kinds of things that are causing your gas tax that are causing the cost of living to go up in California. And we do what we can to inform voters and taxpayers about all of this. So go to hjta.org and join the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Yes, thank you. And thank you to all of you that uh, that are working behind the scenes for those that are not even aware you guys exist. So uh, the more they know, the better. So thank you very much. And God bless you all. And, and don't hang up. We're going to wrap it up here. So for those of you that are listening on the podcast, uh, you know the MO. Go to the show notes accompanies episode at www.thenewsagoba.com and you'll find every single link that Susan just spelled out for everyone. And there is one more thing that, that we did uh, bring up. What is this right to vote on tax.com? Yes. The right to vote on taxes.com. If you go to right to vote on taxes.com, you can get the petition for another really important initiative that's going to qualify for the 2024 ballot. Mm -hmm. And this is called the Taxpayer Protection and Government Accountability Act. And one mm -hmm. of the things it will do is require all state taxes, like the gas tax, for instance, to go on the ballot for voter approval in addition to being passed in the legislature. And it also mm. closes up some loopholes that have been 
created by the courts, loopholes in Prop 13 that need to be closed, and this will close them. So go to righttovoteontaxes.com and click Get the Petition. We will mail it right out to you, and you can sign it, get a couple of friends to sign it, send it back to us, and get that qualified for 2024. Thank you for that. Yeah, and how much time do, uh, do we have? That's good to know because we're 2024. Some people might think that there is time, but uh, there's not enough no. calendar. Uh, this was actually this was coexisting at the same time as the repeal of the death tax effort, oh, but wow. it started a little later. So it, these have 180 days under state law to collect the signatures before time runs out. So this one, the Taxpayer Protection Act, started a little bit later, and it missed the deadline to get on the 2022 ballot, but it can still qualify now for the 2024 ballot. Time will run out on this at the end of July. So oh, wow. we don't have very much time. But if you if you go to righttovoteontaxes.com and get the petition, we mail it out to you. You get it back to us by July 12th. Those signatures will count toward the number that's needed to make sure it qualifies. Awesome. Susan, thank you so much for coming on the program to tell us all you know. Thank you, Andres. It's a pleasure to be with you.